Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Dr. Carlo Bayraktaria. Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is Dernarek, the pastor of St. Sarkis Church. I'm sure a lot of you have forgotten about me because we haven't been producing podcasts for a long time. We're back along with our co-host, Mr. Veh Buzdikian. Hello, everyone. Happy to be back with you here on the podcast. So let's clear the air. The last podcast that we recorded was done without me. And That's I right. Wa- and I want to, to say to our listeners that I did not get upset or anything, you know, because of that. <laughs> that was not the reason Greg, Greg that we stopped producing the podcast. Greg and I thought something was up. Maybe you took it personal. We got some decent feedback, perhaps. You're like, okay, well, you, these guys, have, this they've me, taken so over the podcast. We'll stop the production. <laughs> this past week... Uh, an elderly lady, a lady that I respect very much in our community, was like, you need to start recording the podcast. We miss it. You know, sometimes the guilt trip, it's very helpful. So I tried to give her reasons why we're not recording podcasts, but she didn't want to listen. Mm-hmm. And she was like, even if we have like 20 people listening, that's it's something. It's worth it. It's worth it. I, I think most of our parishioners are aware of what's happening in the church. But they like the discussions that, you know, sometimes we focus on different topics. People get different ideas, you know. They get to learn more about their faith. And um, she's not the only one, by the way. Uh, It's a ministry at the end of the day, and it touches people in a different way. And we're happy to be back. We don't know how often we're going to be recording this, hopefully once a month. Yeah, with competing demands, yes, we can be realistic about it. It's not going to be the weekly program that we once had. Yes. Um, there's always going to be something that uh, prevents us from recording on a regular basis. Wait on the producer. No, it's not the producer's fault, but uh, I think across the board we have our own obligations. At the end of the day, I guess I'm calling the shots and, you know, I haven't been available. It's been a very busy season for, for us. A lot of changes have happened. Good changes, of course, but um, we're happy to be here. And, you know, one of the great greatest changes that um, we have is we have a new prelate. That's a big change. Yes. Big change for everybody. Anybody who's within earshot probably knows that. Sure. We have a new prelate, new election. Our former pastor, our former vicar general is uh, our new prelate, is Grace Bishop Anushavantanyalian. And I'm happy that today we are interviewing him. And um, he has a lot of good things to share with us. But um, before that, let's let's talk a little bit about um, about that, the elections and uh, other things that have been happening here. Important stuff. Um, before should we start with the prayer? Let's start with a prayer. Barkevich vohor mutian, Barkevia ints ugapar havadov, yev pari korzov, yev surp marmno. Yev Arian ko hagortutiamp kal arkez. Yev bogormia ko araradzots, yev ints pazmamerits. Bestower of mercy, grant that I might come to thee with orthodox faith, good works, and with the communion of thy holy blood and body. Have mercy upon thy creatures and upon me, a manifold sinner. I'd like to say a comment about this prayer, but it's, it's one of uh, the 24 verses of um, St. Nurses Shnor Halis, St. Nurses the Gracious in Faith I Confess. You know, most of the time when we are praying, it's about our um, daily life. It's about the things that are troubling us, and we ask God for assistance. But this specific chapter, it's about the end of our lives when you know we think our departure from this world and we're asking God about a few things that he may grant us at that time for our faith to be orthodox to maintain the integrity of our faith in Jesus Christ to still have some credit of good works and the most important thing to be in communion with God through the life-giving body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ 
So it sounds like those are the most essential things that any Christian needs, not to live in peace in this world, but also to make that transition from this world to eternal life. Uh, you added some clarity on this uh, uh, prayer as well for me uh, when we talked about the term orthodox. I saw it in the translation. I said, oh, is that really a, a literal translation of the word uhapar? And you explained that. If you could explain that for listeners, because all of us think orthodox, we think of a denomination of, of the Christian faith. But if you can explain what the term means. Sure, I'm not an expert well. in, in Greek, but I've learned a few words here and there. Ortho means straight, orthodontist, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the dox part is from, you know, doxology. doxology. It's a word that uh, has made its way in our tradition, which means um, worship. So um, the right way of worshiping God is orthodox. The orthodox. So um, it doesn't refer originally to any denomination, but it's our way of approaching God and giving God the worship that God deserves. As we all know, in early September of this year, uh, the Eastern Prelacy of the Armenian Apostolic Church of America elected a new prelate, somebody who's very familiar to us, especially here at St. Sadki's Church. We know him incredibly well. Uh, we've all appreciated his contributions here, as well as to the broader prelacy for the last, I don't know how many years, as the vicar. Um, so it's an exciting time. He was... Anushavan, Bishop Anushavan, His Grace, has now been elected as the prelate of the Eastern Prelacy of the Armenian Church. So, Dernareg, I have to ask, what does the, what does the election of Anushavan Sarpazan as our bishop mean to you personally, uh, considering your personal relationship with him for the past over nearly two decades? And what is the overall impression, the impact that you feel should be felt and will be felt by the broader Armenian community and the various parishes within the prelacy? That's a great uh, question, Ve. Um, I think one of the most important characteristics that Anushavan Sarpazan has as um, a servant of God, as a clergyman, is his understanding of his role as a pastor. So Anushavan Sarpazan is a pastor. He has been the pastor of this church for about 15 years. And, you know, the first sermon that he gave here when he came as the new prelate, he spoke about all the things that he learned um, from being a pastor here. He spoke about how he learned to love people in a different way as a pastor. So that understanding in itself is very, very important. And if we ask people... Um, you know, uh, around us who have come to know Anushavan Sarpazan, I think the one thing that they are going to say is that that personal relationship that they've had with him. And I think that is very important. If you have known Anushavan Sarpazan, I'm sure you have one story to tell. And, and that story is not a random story. It's a story that it has touched your life. I've said this before, that Anushavan Sarpazan has been my mentor. I came here as a deacon. I served under him as a deacon. And then I made the transition. Um, you know, I became the pastor when he became the vicar general. And his way, his approach, his style has, has taught me a lot. I also want to reflect on two things that have happened since uh, his election. Um, 
There are plenty of things that have happened, but um, I would like to focus on two things. Um, the very first decision that he made, and this was not like a major decision, the very first decision was that um, right after his election, let's have the clergy come together and let's have a clergy conference. And, you know, um, we're proud that you know, the community of our church, St. Sarkis, hosted that uh, conference. And we had a day-long conference where, you know, he, as our prelate, was here to listen to us, here to our, hear our concerns, and provide guidance. And that felt uh, by all of us as um, something different. So the spirituality and us as the pastors who have given the role of leading the spiritual life of our communities this feels like the focus of his ministry as a prelate. The other thing that uh, has happened in the past two weeks is that, Greg, as you know, we have an Armenian edition of the Crossroads. So, um, yes, we, we always say the, 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 the number of the people who read Armenian is diminishing, but if we do not provide that content probably people will never have the opportunity to read. So again, being a pragmatic person, he made that change, and I'm hearing a lot of positive feedback that you know the prelacy is providing something Armenian and encouraging the use of our mother tongue, um, the greatest gift of God to us, hoping that you know the number of those who read Armenian will not diminish but will increase. I think those are the two my first two observations that I'd like to give at this point and we we want to listen to Serpazan himself as we roll the interview during this podcast. Today we are honored that our newly elected prelate, His Grace Bishop Anushavantanyalian, is our guest on the podcast. Sir Asfazoknagan, congratulations on your new election and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Degnarek. Uh, this is my first interview with media, and I highly appreciate your concern and your dedication to share my views with your listeners. Sir Bazanheir, uh, as a prelate, how do you evaluate your new position? What are some of the changes that you went through from being a vicar to being elevated as the prelate? Truly speaking, I don't feel or see any change either in my nature or in my character, nor in my outlook or behavior. Most probably the most tangible changes are the followings. Every morning I used to leave my home for the office at 6 a.m., now I'm living at 5 a.m. That's great. <laughs> I had less worries. Now I am quite rich with worries. I had less traveling. Now I have less rest. The yoke of responsibility is graver than ever. If I may use an example, until now I was like those who love and care for their grandchildren or their nephews or nieces with the term of 7-Eleven care. But now, like parents' responsibility, it is 724. Although 24-7 is more general yes, to say. Yes, that's what yeah. we know, right. But sometimes it's good to be unique, right? You are unique. Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, one thing is not changed and remains the same. And that is my spirit to serve consciously, wholeheartedly, and joyfully, of course. I like uh, the analogy of taking care of children and the term 724 or 24-7, no matter how you put it. And as a parent, I know exactly how it feels. And for you to take that um, perspective on your uh, role, establishing that type of relationship with those who look at you as their spiritual leader, I think that's such a such a great blessing, Sir Pazanheir. Now, almost 46 days have passed since your election. Um, could you share with our listeners some of the achievements that have already taken place in this short period of time? Of course. Let me tell you first that I'm a teamwork guy. And as such, following my election and traveling to Lebanon to receive the blessing of His Holiness, Aram first, the Catholicos of the Great House of Cilicia, on my return, the first item on my agenda was a meeting with my fellow spiritual brothers, the pastors of Eastern Prelacy Parishes at St. Sarkis Church in Douglaston. I'm glad that 
our communication officer, Greg Dostor, released the photos of this wonderful meeting on social media. I'm glad that along with other things, we unanimously agreed to have a teleconference during the first week of each month. During these chats, we will share some aspects of our personal life, our concerns and personal anxieties, our plans, our successes. In one word, I like to create precious and private time with my colleagues to feel our oneness, no matter how far we are from each other geographically. That's how I understand and I evaluate the role of our uh, pastors, uh, not only in their parishes, but as well as on uh, policy level. Continuing now, uh, within this context, I am pleased to inform also that from day one, I scheduled each and every Sunday until December 30th to visit our communities to assure them that as the heart beats for each and every tiny or large organ or member of the body, likewise, the policy is not just a building known as 138 East 39th Street, New York, New York, but rather identifies herself with each and every community, whether it is in North Andover, down to Washington, D.C., from New York to West Granite City. One of other achievements is that on the Feast of the Holy Translator on October 30th, the prelacy launched the printing of the Armenian version of Crossroads, compiled by Dr. Vartan Matiosian, the director of ANIC. Along with other liturgical and cultural roles assumed by the prelacy, I always have believed that the crossroads, which reflects the activities of our Aska and Arashtok Taran, would be much authentic being served in Armenian too. And I'm glad that our policy staff, with great joy, undertook this work. Sir President, I'm sure that those achievements that you mentioned are welcomed by our community members. But, you know, you just started your journey, and we hope and we know that this journey... Um, Will be, will be long, and you have upcoming also uh, ideas and projects in, in your mind. You wanna, do you want to speak with to our listeners about your priorities? What would you like to concentrate on uh, moving forward? Of course, there are so many priorities. If I list them, uh, I believe that your time doesn't forgive, and also your listeners somehow. Uh, will be impatient. So let's uh, mention the most important uh, item on my agenda. As I said, a top priority on my agenda is to encourage the dynamic participation of youth in our ecclesiastical and communion life. I regard youth not as our future, but as our active partners in building up our future. Let me give you a, a most recent example. Yesterday, when I was returning from Beirut, Lebanon, via Paris to New York, the plane landed so smoothly and perfectly that, I don't know for what reason, genuinely I wish to congratulate the pilot. When I was leaving the plane, I introduced myself to a flight attendant and told him to convey my congratulations to the pilot. The gentleman was so kind, a real gentleman, in the authentic understanding of the word, that he said, Bishop, why don't you congratulate him personally? He will be more pleased. After receiving the green light from cockpit, I went in and congratulated the pilot and said, last Thursday, we left Paris and landed Beirut in a very poor way. Today, we left Beirut and landed Paris so perfectly that I didn't know that we were on land until we arrived at the terminal. And while I was ready to congratulate the rest of the crew, the pilot humbly answered, thank you, Bishop. I owe to our captain who have trained us. And only then, to my surprise, I noticed the captain smiling proudly. What I like to say exactly is the following. Of course, we should train. We should be next to our youth. But for God's sake, we should also trust them our seats and share our fame with them and we will witness proudly that how successfully they will take off fly and land our plane in other words our communities safely and successfully going one step further even we should look 
at our children as our partners. But for the time being, let us stop here. Okay, Sir President, this is a very encouraging message. Do you have any other priorities besides the youth? As I mentioned earlier, the list is long, but by order of priority, the renovation of the policy, I believe, is a must. During the last 60 years, my predecessors have achieved a gigantic and praiseworthy mission in different fields in a building which I believe is pretty close to be proclaimed a centennial building, renovated once in 1987. I believe that to make extra our productivity, our service, a fundamental renovation of the policy is indeed imperative. Sir President, uh, do you have a slogan, a motto that you would like our listeners to know? Something that characterizes your service? This confession is not too early, Dagnarek. Well, it sets the tone for, uh, for, for your uh, journey. You are revealing all the secrets. It seems that you are a good host of Anahayr. Well, uh, I believe uh, the shortest and the most dynamic uh, is the following with God for each other. Why I choose this, uh, uh, actually what is the source of my inspiration is the Holy Cross. As the cross has vertical and horizontal dimensions, likewise, I believe that we should celebrate our vertical relation with, with, with God, and that relation with God, not only every day, but every instant, should impact on our relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters, which means on horizontal level. So with God for each other. Yes. Sir President, uh, we're trying to keep our interview short, and uh, for, for that reason, I'm, I'm about to conclude. But uh, before uh, we depart, I'd like to ask if you have any final message, any wish that you would like to convey to our listeners today. Dear Narek, earlier I have... Uh, corrected you, if I'm not wrong, my uh, memory doesn't betray me, don't ask me messages, but wishes. So from now on, whenever we have this kind of uh, podcast, yes, just ask wishes because I believe that wishes are somehow, uh, they come from our heart, our daily experience, while the message is more comes from as if from mind. So there is difference between mind and heart. Let's stay connected to the heart. Yes. I'm more heart person, <laughs> along with, of course, mind person, because mm-hmm. you, you cannot be only uh, uh, emotional. Emotional, yeah. Thank you. My wish and prayer is that each and everyone may discover the goal of his her existence in the light of divine wisdom. Let everyone fulfill their mission in their own capacity, consciously and joyfully, no matter where they work or serve. You know, Father Narek, in our theological seminary in Lebanon, different responsibilities were trusted to the students. I'm not ashamed to share with our listeners that I was appointed to take care of the order in the restrooms. In other words, I had to check that the toilet papers were available, the sinks were clean, etc. Later, I was in charge to collect the clothes of the students to be taken to dry cleaner and on the return to distribute them to their owners. Much later, I was appointed sacristan, music conductor, tabrabet, librarian, teacher, Armenian Church University students, spiritual advisor, etc., etc. Let me tell you that in spite of the variety, the common link between all above mentioned duties was serving willingly and joyfully. I wish the same to all. No matter in what career they are, let their service be practiced not just as a duty, but a living praise of the Almighty Lord. Thank you, Sir Pazanhair. We wish you a fruitful service in the vineyard of the Lord. And um, as you would say, let me allow me to say this. May God bless you in your new service. Thank you very much. Thank you. We need a lot your blessings and your listeners. Until now, I need it by ounces, by pounds. I believe that from now on, I need by tons and tons. <laughs> Thank you, Sir Fazan.
Among all the programs here that we have at St. Sarkis Church and across the prelacy, I think a great source of pride for you is the youth ministry program. I think broadly and specifically to our parish here in the Salt and Light program. What's been going on? I know that's been a big source of your, your time commitment, and trying to get this program moving has been a priority for you. Uh, tell us a bit about how things have been going, especially in the last several months. Um, a rundown of the program and uh, your impressions. Absolutely. I'm happy to report that we have 54 students who have registered. We restarted this season um, in September. And as a matter of fact, last night we had uh, our second session. The program in itself is very solid. You know, um, the material that the prelacy is providing to us is very good. You have videos, you have questions for discussions. It is very well structured. Yet all you need is to have facilitators who are committed, who will come. You know that's what we do. The facilitators come. We sit down together half half an hour before we start um, our session, while um, the youth they're having their dinner. There's some icebreakers going on. We just review the content. We decide what to do, what to skip, what to focus more on, and then we just take our groups and we do the study for about an hour, and it's it's very um, engaging kids who are listening or participating, you see them, you know, that those questions that uh, are posted there when we ask those questions, it brings some, you know, um, maybe it's premature to say it brings changes, but it, it makes them think about the things that they have taken for granted. So I think it's a great program. And, you know, why this is important? Because we want kids to be educated. The children today will be the leaders tomorrow. And you want educated people who will be part of this church, you know, whether they are just members of a church or they assume um, roles in the leadership of the church. It's very important for, 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 uh, for them to be educated. But there's another um, aspect that maybe we need to discuss, and that is the involvement of the community. It's not this, the youth ministry at St. Sarkis Church, Salt and Light as we call it, is not like a one-man show. This is not the Their Hires program. We have a committee of 11, 12 people who meet regularly. They discuss what is happening. They discuss all the details. The educational part is, is one aspect. Um, the meetings that we have, we teach them, we watch the videos, ask the questions. That's one part of it. There are two other parts. The second part is the social, you know, sometimes there are social activities here, sometimes the social activities are combined with uh, AYF, and um, that is something that works as uh, a bonding experience for, for, for our children. And the third is the outreach. We have identified uh, a great outreach program for this upcoming um, season between Thanksgiving and Christmas where the children will go and help a certain facility that, you know, there are other children there who need the help. And the goal of that is to put a smile on the less fortunate. I so, was reading, is it going to be one of the children's hospitals? My yes, it is, okay. it is going to be one of the children's hospitals. So it's, um, it's all integrated. It's not only about learning, but it's about um, relations, and it's all about helping others. And f from that perspective, I think uh, it's it's such an important thing that we're doing here. And um, the community involvement, as I was saying, the committee members and the facilitators, you know. Um, I am one of the facilitators. My wife is one of the facilitators. But we have other people, uh, people that our community members know, like um, Mike Ostanian, you know, um, people who, Mike is a deacon, for example. But we have other people who don't know very well about their faith, but they're willing to learn. 
mm-hmm. you know. And teaching is one of the best ways uh, that we learn. Sure. I mean, there's a twofold benefit. Obviously, the, the obvious benefit is the one, the, what we're providing to the children. But also, as you said, the facilitators, I can imagine, learn so much by going through this process with the kids that they actually have uh, an eye-opening experience about their faith and probably are more enlightened about what it is that they want to get across to the children. Sure. And, you know, this is something that, um, this is a prelacy initiative. You and I are in the council. We, we discuss the, those things uh, during our meetings. I think what's happening in uh, at St. Sarkis Church is pretty good. We can, can we improve certain things? Absolutely, we can. Can we have more children attending? That is our goal. But uh, looking f- uh, looking to it from the prelacy's perspective, I think uh, we would want this to be um, taking place in all the churches, and it's not a difficult thing. I think uh, our pastors and our communities, they all have the capacity to create something similar working for their communities. The curriculum is there. Absolutely. You have leadership that comes directly from the prelacy, somebody who's assigned, yes. Ani runs the program or administers it and makes herself available to the various parishes. So I would think with the success that you're enjoying here, I know there's a couple other parishes as well that are doing very well with the program. Sure. Uh, that could be a foundation for additional churches to embrace it and to actually try to implement it in their own uh, communities. That's right. I'd like to mention that our director, her name is Mrs. Ani Ovanesian, and she's available um, to provide training. She came twice to our community to provide training to us, and I sat down and I you know, listened, and it's very informational, uh, hands-on training. So mm-hmm. she's available anytime that any community asks uh, her to, 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 uh, to visit them. What would be your one selling point to another parish. Knowing what you've encountered the last couple of years, you've gotten this program off the ground, it's successful thus far, uh, you've enjoyed a lot of support from both the community and the youth, and the parents, obviously, that are engaged and are working in a facilitation role. What would be your one message to the other parishes in terms of embracing or looking for guidance or looking to model uh, the program after what you've encountered here? I think I would say if you are interested in the youth, if you are concerned about them, um, this is a great tool for us to do something about that. This will create an environment where children and the youth, instead of um, going and playing Fortnite and other video games, you know, um, they can come to church, they can um, learn about God, they can learn about their faith, um, they can hang out with uh, each other and become friends and they can do something meaningful that will change their lives, you know, on the long run. So it's easy to implement. You, you ha- most of us have, um, you know, the location, we have a hall, we have classrooms, this and that. The program is there. All you need is that commitment to do something positive and impact the life of our youth. Last question. I know we've built it around the Wide Disciple Program. Is that the program that we're currently instituting? Yes. We have also added elements from our Armenian church experience. Correct. What are some of those, if you could just give us a description of what those elements may be, in addition to the Christian core curriculum that brings people, enlightens them? Because I think that would resonate with a lot of our our parishes, knowing Mm -hmm. that you're going to not only provide them with Christian guidance, but also a little bit of a takeaway from uh, from their Armenian uh, heritage. It's, it's a general introduction to our spirituality, life of prayers, um, basic knowledge about uh, our saints, the way that our worship is conducted. Those, are, those all are found um, in this program. And um, Ani and Greg and myself, we are working so that in the near future, we will have a program that is our own. You know, we we are at the point where we're going to be uh, creating our own content, and it will be uh, the prelacy's content, pure, 100% Armenian Christian content that will be delivered uh, to our churches. But for now, what we are delivering is solid. You know, it's Christian. The Armenian part is supplemented. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Which if, is our, if our children get to know whatever we are providing, I think it's a great um, starting point for everyone. Living on the inside 
When I think about the sacrament of marriage in the Armenian church, I've often been sort of flat-footed a little bit because it's only what we've experienced personally, like having been through the sacrament and the ceremony itself. Beyond that, there isn't a whole lot of continuity for us other than observing other people's marriages and seeing it within the confines of the Armenian church. Recently, you've instituted a program that I know is not sacramental, but it builds upon the foundations, the things that we should try to adhere to as, uh, as married couples. And you instituted a program. It's called Enriching Your Marriage, uh, which is a four-part series. I, I am participating. My wife and I are, are participating. And uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit about it because I think it's relatively groundbreaking. It certainly helps the fact that you're working this as both a pastor, wearing both of your professional hats, as a pastor and a marriage and family counselor. Um, so tell us what your intent was, tell us how it's going from your perspective, and uh, I'm willing to offer my impressions as well. Thank you. I, I like the way that uh, you lay it out, Veh. Um, this program is related definitely to the sacrament of marriage, and um, this Receiving the sacrament of marriage is not that one-time event in life. You know, that's the beginning of the journey. And just like any other sacrament, that, that sacrament, the sacrament of marriage, belongs to the church. And therefore, it is the responsibility of the church to maintain and take care of uh, the people who have received that sacrament. The analogy that I like to use all the time is that um, I did not feel like a priest only on the day when I was ordained. But mm -hmm. I, but I, you know, that priestly grace uh, has um, always been with me since that day. So it's a journey, just like um, a marriage, I mean, is, is like that as well. And from that perspective, I think it was important for us to um, look and inspect uh, the state of um, our individual relationships uh, in marriage. And um, yes, we do a fine job here with um, pre-marriage counseling and pre-marriage uh, prep work. But um, last year we had one time, one session event with our parishioners, and uh, we felt that this is not a one-time event. This could be something that is more um, structured, and uh, we decided to do this. It's a five-series, um, we call it a course, because um, we don't like to call it a group because, you know, people sometimes are intimidated. They don't want to uh, sit down and discuss their marriages for um for a myriad of reasons, and uh, we respect that. It's something private, um, but there's one commonality, and that is all marriages have problems. We all go through ups and downs, and you know we, we think that it's only happening to me, it's only happening to my marriage. But coming here to church and learning about the dynamics of relationships, I think it gives us uh, insight that... Um, we all go through ups and downs, but um, there are um, ways based on research. How can we enrich our marriage and how we can make our relationship better and to make it like a testimony that we have received a, a grace through the sacrament and we are living that grace uh, every day in our lives. I personally like the way that you structured it. I know it's not intimidating for us. It's sort of a social environment. We have break bread together. And then following that, we'll have a discussion, a very narrowly focused discussion. And I, I know you broke it up into five parts. We started off, I wasn't able to attend the first week uh, because my wife was away, but uh, it started with commencing in the marriage, then connecting, compatibility, communication, and finally, commitment. Um, and last week, we got into some areas that I think maybe was outside of people's comfort zone a bit. 
I don't know if you want to expand upon that, but uh, it it seemed as though you'll by initiating the the conversation, you're drawing out some interest and having people look at their marriage in different ways um, and evaluating their relationship from a different perspective. Sure. The first week, uh, we concentrated heavily on the idea of change. You know, we start from somewhere, and as years go by, we experience change. And it's easy for, you know, people who are going through ups and downs in their marriage to say, I wish uh, my wife or my husband was just like the way that, you know, when we first met. They think that the other person has only changed, but we don't know that we all go through changes. And exploring the change and the phases of changes um, that that we've been through uh, was something that uh, we focused on. Last week, we focused heavily on uh, knowing your own style and knowing your partner's style because uh, there are two fundamental um, styles that are in work and marriage. And unless we know we are aware of those differences, uh, all we're doing in the relationship is trying to make the other person to kind of think and perceive and act just like us because we think that if that person is just like me, we will not have problems. Mm -hmm. But there's a dynamic there that brings us together. And, you know, if my partner was just like me, life would have been It'd be pretty, pretty boring. boring. <laughs> so the dynamic is very... They do say opposites attract, of, and of I'm course, sure it's consistent throughout do. our lives. That, yes. You know, those opposite factors, that those personality traits help to complement each other. It's just to help us refocus on how to get across each other's different styles and communication styles and personality traits. Sure. And another thing that uh, it's happening um, throughout the courses is we're providing to the participants a set of questions. You know, I'm not sure how, how you feel about those questions, but I think those questions are pretty deep and they can evoke uh, meaningful conversations for the couples, and I told them last time, you know, what happens here during the, the session of the course is important, but what happens be in between, you know, meaning that the work that you do asking those questions and examining your relationship is very important. And I've been hearing uh, a lot of positive feedback. Some people feel that, you know, there's, this could be a little challenging, but uh, because you're exploring areas that were unexamined for, uh, for so long, but... Um, and openly discussing. It's not just examining. It's the fact that you're trying to discuss things that may be, may be dormant issues in a marriage or things that you don't really want to drudge up. Like if it's something that has made you uncomfortable, you'd rather just kind of keep it in the closet, so to speak. Sure. But that strategy you know, never works. Never works. It's going no. to come back. It's going to come back come, to bite come, you. When it's there, it's, it's ugly. You know? Yeah. So... Um, this is a first attempt, and I am encouraged, I have to say, you know, um, as the pastor, uh, I was kind of hesitant because I didn't know, and I was saying, you know, if we don't have participants, we're going to just cancel. We took the chance, but I'm happy to say that we have, last week we have 15 uh, uh, couples participated, that's like 30 people right there. Um, I know one uh, couple uh, were missing, so hopefully this Monday it's going to be uh, about 32 people participating. And, you know, we're bonding as we go through through uh, the sessions, and hopefully we will gain the insight that we need um, to make our relationships uh, go better. Let us reflect on the Word of God. Let's do today's Bible reading and reflection. And today we are reading from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, verses 11 through 16. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. The Gospel of the Lord. It's a beautiful passage from the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. And uh, you know, look at the positive themes that run through this paragraph. The joy, love, friendship, uh, fruit of uh, lasting fruits. So you know, as, as you were reading, I was thinking about that passage that comes to us from uh, Paul's letter in Galatians where he speaks about uh, 
the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's very similar. All of this can happen when we have God uh, working in the midst of our lives. And when you have God, all the good things uh, are going to happen to us. Joy, love, um, living a fruitful life, and enjoying the friendship uh, with, with God. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, correct? Yes. And he's talking about how that he chose them, and now he's telling them to go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So he's speaking, but then he's speaking to us as well, of course. as the continuation of the disciples. Of course. Uh, this comes from the narratives of uh, the Last Supper. You know, in John, we read long narratives, the words of Jesus that took place during the Last Supper. And there's an elevation here. The disciples are called friends. You know, and that friendship is based on the knowledge. They know what is the will of God. You know, our friendship with Jesus should be based on that same experience, getting to know him. When we know God, we can create a sense of intimacy. With that, that knowledge, you know, our relationship becomes very, very superficial. And the intimacy comes when we spend time with God. When we pray, when we read the Word of God, we get to know God. It's just like any other relationship. If you want to cultivate a relationship with anyone, you need to invest your time and your energy. Is there a transition that happens when people start to look more at the relationship with God as though it is a friendship? Because it always starts as your fear of God. It's a God-fearing type of uh, concept. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, I guess it transitions into feeling a love for the Supreme Being. Um, is that a process or is that something that you can innately develop? Not sure if it's a process. Uh, we started the show by reading um, from their session on Hadi. I think uh, it's him who says in one of the prayers uh, of of Hostovanim, you know, asking God to put in his heart his love, the love of God, and the fear of hell. So mm -hmm. there's a balance there, you know, fear mm -hmm. and love to be balanced. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, sometimes it's very important for us to examine our perceptions of God. You know, without going deep into psychology, uh, but there, there, there are f some truths there which affect us tremendously. If we, the way that we relate to God is the way that we relate to our fathers, and if our fathers were, you know, strict and there were rules and regulations, subsequently that childish faith in us grows as seeing God with someone who has rules and regulations. But if we are able to see that those rules and regulations were there to kind of put us on the right track because, you know, God, our fathers, they love us, then that transition is more natural for us to, to happen. So ultimately, I guess knowledge and um, insight, those are the things that will help us to make that transition and develop a friendship with God. For the hymn today, we want to play for you under the alt. This is a hymn that we hear in the church when a bishop or an archbishop is celebrating the divine liturgy. As they go up to the altar, the curtain is not closed. You know, that would be the case when a priest like me would go up on the altar and the curtain will be closed. But when there's a serpazan celebrating the badrak, the curtain will not be closed and they will kneel down and start reading the prayers and the choir will sing this song. It's a beautiful one. And as our new prelate is visiting your churches, probably you're going to hear this. So I'd like to give you some information about that. I hope you enjoy listening under the alt today. And hopefully we will be back with you soon in the upcoming month. We hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. And may God bless you all. Amen.
Today's episode of the podcast was brought to you by Dr. Carla Bidak Darian. If you'd like to sponsor next month's episode, please contact St. Saki's Church at gmail.com or call 718 224 2275.